Welcome to the Black Freelance Podcast, your home base for community, content, and strategy that will help you take control of your lifestyle design and build freedom into your professional career. Hi, and welcome to episode five of the Black Freelance Podcast. I hope you are doing well. This episode is one I've wanted to do since the beginning, and that's because it's an inside look at content marketing with one of the platforms I've written for since really early on in my freelance journey. If you are even a little interested in writing as a content marketer, take some time with this one because it gives an inside look into how one platform works. But more importantly, it helps you understand where content marketing really sits in the world of writing and content creation. We cover a lot of ground from an explanation of content marketing to the topics and fields that get the most traction, what makes profiles stand out, even how to position your unique experiences as a candidate. So not going to keep you waiting on this one. Let's get into it. Molly, thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Megan. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. You know, it's one of those like longtime follower, first time caller. (laughs) I followed your Twitter for years, kind of just because I don't even think I realized it was you at first. And then when I pieced two and two together, where I was like, oh my gosh, we are working with Megan on a regular basis. (laughs) And she runs this Black Freelance Twitter account. Uh, We need to make that connection. And then uh, in the last year, kind of, I'm glad it, it came about. And I'm really excited about the combo today because it's stuff that I'm constantly talking about and I can't wait to, to make sure your audience hears it. Awesome. Okay, so let's get into this. So sure. what do you do at Skyward? What's your background in content marketing? How's that all work? Sure. So my name is Molly Conicella. I am the director of community management at Skyward. Um, I've been at the company coming up on seven years now, which is a lot for, for the amount of changes that um, we've endured at the company. But uh, essentially, if you were to boil down, like the biggest thing that I do is I pair writers and creatives um, from our broader community with the actual projects that our clients approach us with. I also handle all the troubleshooting in between and I help coach people. Um, and I do things like this where I, I spread the knowledge of how to get work with us, best practices for content marketing, all of that. Beautiful. Okay, so what do platforms like Skyward do? Because I know it's something that, you know, unless you're in it, you don't really understand. So what, what is Skyward all about? So we're very known for, I think our, our new motto is we make it easy to tell authentic stories with lasting results. But what does that mean? We kind of offer three big things. Um, primarily, what I think people would know us for is our platform. We have technology that really streamlines the entire content marketing process start to finish. So, you know, onboarding our contributors, uploading information from our clients, coaching them, submitting work, SEO, editing, publishing, payment. Um, The other big thing we offer uh, is our full services team. We have a full house of editors and strategists who understand the ins and outs of creating incredible content that will rank really well socially. Uh, That's what's really just, you know, on the web. And then um, the other big thing that we offer is our, you know, vetted community. We have uh, several thousand contributors who cover everything under the sun, who are really experienced writers and designers, videographers, um, photographers, and every little creative type in between. Um, And so my job is to really manage that part of it. But I work very closely with the technology teams and the services teams that bring everything else to life. So Platforms like us make it easy to publish those amazing articles that you're constantly Googling, figuring out, you know, how do I dye my hair at home? <laughs> how do I decorate <laughs> my apartment? How do I buy the latest in B2B technology? All of that. <laughs> gotcha. So what kind of other, what kind of creative professionals in general does Skyward work with? So, well, primarily like my job is to focus on the writers. Um, I'm not going to say we don't like there's nobody we wouldn't work with. Well, we have covered so much in my tenure at the company that I don't want what I share here to exclude anybody because we never know what's going to walk in the door from our client side. Um, But primarily the buckets that we support fall under writer, designer, videographer, photographer, but we ventured into audio and with video become 
comes script writing, with infographics come copywriting, and then on video, there's actors. So, you know, within those four pillars of writer, designer, videographer, photographer, and I guess audio, um, any little creative type that trickles down into one of those core creative means, means is like something we would support. Um, it's not always pretty because we have to kind of mold it into how our platform will be able to showcase them, but hmm, okay. we're really open to working with anybody. Wow. Okay. So uh, when you're, when you're connecting creatives with clients, like what kind of clients is Skyward working with and, and how are they using content? Um, so historically we are known for working with enterprise level companies, mid-sized companies, um, they typically have several verticals under their umbrella. You know, they cover, if you're talking about a major medical technology provider, they cover like all of the different subspecialties within a hospital, or if it's a technology, you know, brand for, you know, a B2B tech brand, they create a variety of devices so that we end up developing partnerships with a variety of verticals within that enterprise. Um, but, but beyond that, it's not just limited to that. We certainly work with very well-known names um, across the nation and globally, really. Um, they span everything from you know B2B and B2C, so business and consumer, under technology, healthcare, finance. And when we talk about finance, we're talking about banking and investing, but we're also talking about personal finance, um, filing your taxes, things like that, HR. Um, consumer tech, lifestyle, beauty, pet care, <laughs> how to run your small business. Um, we really never know what will walk in the door, but I would say like it's really everything. But if it falls under one of those big buckets, there's also kind of a subspecialty within that too. I, I, one of the coolest things about my job is I never know what I'm going to be working on a certain day, which is exciting. Um, it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, from pet care to finance. It's a, it's a yeah. pretty right. It's the truth though. It's exciting. And then um, and what they're creating that can also vary. And even within written content, I think, I think you can speak to this as your own experience. Yeah. It's not just a blog article. When we right. talk about articles, it could be anything from a really, uh, easily digestible listicle, three to 500 words. It could be your average blog article. That's like a well-researched piece. That's 500, 800 words. You're creeping into that longer form. 1200 word article venturing into ebooks white papers case studies um but we also you know on the writer side we support the copywriting for infographics or websites that launch um gosh there's so many other things within that but then we, on the whole what we call enhanced content which i don't think is known as an industry term i know our digital oh. producers are always laughing about this enhanced content is not like a thing it's <laughs> our thing but it's not it's, i don't think it's an industry-wide term but for us, what that means is infographics, micrographics, social graphics, animated video, live action video, podcasts, interactive websites, webinars, things where you're getting a really visual component that involves a lot of moving pieces. And then oftentimes we'll bring in a writer to make sure that the language we're using on those assets um, helps bring them to life. And it's well-researched. If it's a super niche industry, we we'll want to make sure that the writer or the script that's going in behind it is um, really going to land with the target audience. I love that because that's something I've noticed just in my own work that has changed so much because I've, I've been at it like I think seven years and just like where my writing is being used has changed immensely from when I first started doing mostly like blogs and case studies. So like you mentioned, webinar scripts, video scripts, yep. and that kind of thing. I, so, I'm sure for you, like, I mean, you could probably speak to this. Is it, is it exciting and fun to be able to say, I know I can do this. I just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. And I love that I, I've been trusted to venture with them in this department. Oh, it, it totally is. Like I just started offering video and like, there's so many tools that are available to people now that, you know, of course I was writing the scripts, but I can do like a lot more just because, you know, the way I've grown and like, I like, oh yeah, you know, there's very little that people throw at me at this point where I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I can do that anymore. Like my confidence has grown across over time. Yeah. That's awesome. And you're not the only one to have said that to me. Um, and it's cool because you have such a great relationship with many of the editors at our company. And I think once you establish that bond, you know, we can say, we know Megan really delivers. Let's give her a shot at this uh, cool project we have coming up. We know she has the medical technology background. She's a strong writer. I know she can do the script or I know she can create this infographic for us. That's going to be great. 
Awesome. Um, and once you once you really establish that bond, it's something that you know we're definitely open to exploring. It's beautiful. Um, so you mentioned like B2B and B2C clients and like, I'm, I'm, I'm a B2B person and like, I see them as two completely different words, but worlds, but like, from your perspective, how do those programs differ if at all? At 22, because yes and no, I totally agree with you. And I'm like, yeah, everybody has the same thing. Um, what I find to be the biggest differentiators to help kind of explain how they're different, um, consumer accounts. In my head are always they're the more fun one personally uh like i said i get to be reading this stuff all day which is very fun be a little distracting but very fun where i'm you know reading about the best thing you know leading the leading writers in pet care or care products skincare clothing recipes and often those are direct to consumers so um some of the things that our clients will come to us with that make the writers and creatives different for those things uh end up being you know not only the quality of the writing and maybe the brands that they've published for previously but also do they have some social influence do they take their own photos like what kind of personal brand are they presenting that we think will align with what we're also offering and then on the b2b side i feel like the subject matter expertise really comes to play here uh, where, you know, the clients in this space are are selling enterprise level offerings a lot of the time. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to not only create the content, but then like the, their product offering is so expensive. They want to make sure that the people who are buying it or the people who are reading like the articles they're creating are going to get exactly what they're looking for. So when we're hiring writers and creatives for B2B technology or healthcare or finance, we need to make sure we're writing, you know, the cutting edge stuff in that specific industry. So we're working with writers and creatives who understand the latest in investing or um, cybersecurity, medical technology, and think about how quickly those industries are progressing. We need to make sure that the people we're working with for that content truly understand it. We're not writing about things in 2014 anymore. Right. You really have to know what's coming next, not just what we already have. And so that can take a lot longer to find the right person for that. Uh, it's definitely a competitive. Uh, many of the verticals within the B2B world are are very competitive for that reason. And it's really important that if you work in content marketing or even journalists converting to content marketing, or you're just looking to get into freelance writing in the content marketing industry, it is crucial to choose a niche for this reason, because if you don't specialize in something, I don't know that you're going to be able to establish yourself as enough of a subject matter expert to make your mark. And you really want to be able to present that as your, that's your thing, that here's your angle. Um, It's just crucial. And then honestly, on top of that, it's not just subject matter expertise these days. I think something we're seeing is given everything I've explained so far, so much goes into creating this content. Sometimes it's Better to even have somebody who's worked in that industry before. I know we work with plenty of people who are formerly IT managers. They are actively doctors, people who run their own medical practices, people who run their own veterinary practice, people who are dentists or hygienists at a dental office. It's uh, Sometimes I'm like really surprised at what I'm going to end up searching for in a day from the, the requests our clients send us. And sometimes I think, is that really necessary? <laughs> but then you're talking about the latest in, you know, dental fillings. And you think, is that right? Can, can anybody just research that? I don't think so. Because the people who are, are writing about or who are living that day to day are at the latest industry conferences. They're getting their latest research uh, and they understand what it's like to actually be a dentist. So that when they're writing it, they can speak directly to that reader. So so when, when companies are looking for, actually, let's turn it on its head. Um, sure. when, when you are, you know, you are creative and you want to step out into one of these spaces, like, how do you, how do you want to appeal to the companies that are looking to build their writing teams? We're getting like down to basics, like things that you have to have, um, in order to stand out or, or to make yourself look like a professional within the, the freelance writing world. Um, the number one tip I, I have is to 
find your your area of expertise or your niche. And this is something you're either incredibly passionate about or something you have a lot of experience with. So whether it's your past profession or something you really like doing in your off time, I would say choose to write about that. Uh, because you really need to be invested in that area that you're writing about and stay on top of it and know the latest things happening within that industry. And then from there, you really need to have some sort of profile page, whether that's something where you, like, uh, yeah, I I recommend you sign up for Skyward, but there are plenty of other places where you could do that, where like go to LinkedIn and, and really create a robust LinkedIn. Medium has a really easy offering. Wix has an easy offering. WordPress has a really easy offering. Invest a little bit of money, get yourself a three-year license on a website and start building it out. It really does make a difference. If you have a place where you've established yourself, you can build an about me page. And this does not need to be something elaborate. It just needs to be one place where you can host everything. I don't need, you know, 20 high-res photos of you posing around your house or anything like that. It's not about the glitz and the glam. It's about the content that you put on that page. And then the the, the next biggest thing is going to be the samples. You know, we're talking mostly about writing today because that's what I primarily work on at Skyward. But if you can say, if you write about something, like I need to, I need to see samples. I need yes. to know that you understand the latest in that industry within the last few years. And a lot of people come to me and say, Molly, I'm breaking into content marketing, I don't have samples. People haven't given me an opportunity yet. Or I used to write plenty, but those are like 10 years old. I have well, I have Wall Street Journal articles or New York Times articles from 10 years ago. And I'm thinking like, all you need to do is start your own blog, commit to writing twice a week or once a week on that page, like an in-depth article that you would expect to write for me. Uh, if you want to work with one of our clients, what would you write to them? And it doesn't necessarily have to be something we've assigned to you yet. You know, just if you like writing about B2B tech or the latest in dental care, do it on your website. Um, yeah, I think I, one I think of my one of my first, yeah, one of my first samples, it was for a, a trade magazine, but it wasn't anything in depth. It was literally just, it was just um, curating and collecting the latest in- industry news and like healthcare IT. It was literally yeah. nothing big, but it just, it was just a few samples that just said, Hey, I'm keeping up with the industry. Honestly, Megan, that is exactly what that is. It tells me you're invested in the latest of what's going on and it, you're passionate about it. Nobody had to decide that for you to, for right. you to get excited about it and to write about it at a high quality level. And the one thing I would say, if you do plan to do that, source it and treat it as if you would, you're submitting that to an editor, you know, treat it as a really high quality document. Don't just bust that out in an hour and press publish, you know, you can get free photos to make it look quality. You can make sure it's edited. You can add um, sourcing links so that any major facts you're stating are backed up by industry proof. Like there are ways to establish it the same way as if we were to give you an assignment at Skyward, we would expect you to do those things. Um, So uh, that's the thing. I I feel like people sometimes are thinking, I don't have an opportunity yet. I don't know how I'm going to break in start your own blog. It yeah. truly is, is as simple as that. And I realized that's no way that, you know, I'm, I'm making it sound easy and it's, it's not, but it, it will get you in the door. Um, and if you plan on spending tons of time sending LOIs out and, and pitching me then you should have something to show for it. So start, you know, get those, get those articles up on your, you know, LinkedIn plus or medium page and have a little something to show for it. And I have to tell you, this works. People do this and it does work. It shows me you're passionate. Yeah. And just taking that little bit of initiative can, it makes a difference. Totally. It really does. Okay. So, so how can a writer improve their, like say they've gotten, you know, they've gotten their, their portfolio started. How can they really improve their chances of being added to a program or getting the, the attention, you know, of a company, especially writers, um, like very, new um like are there any less conventional samples that that people might be interested in so yes <laughs> what i'm finding now is that people kind of get what the lucrative industries are you hear me talk about b2b tech b2b healthcare finance a lot because they're they're really important industries in our world and it requires a lot to know about them but people know that they're going to do well there 
I think if you can find a subspecialty within those industries, you really start to carve out your, your niche a little more. It shows just how specialized you are. So I feel like I've talked about this with you before. And I know you, Megan, you don't just write about BDB healthcare. You yeah, specialize I'm, in I'm pretty, I'm pretty deep. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and look at how successful you are in that. And, and you stay on top of the latest trends within that. So you're not just talking about things that happened five years ago. You know what's happening next. And so think about when you're specializing, if you want to go into B2B technology, then write about mobile technology within that space. If you want to talk about uh, B2B healthcare, talk about a specific medical, medical specialty. So oncology, pediatrics, OBGYN, cardiology. And we have clients that fall under these. And they don't just want a healthcare writer. They want somebody yeah. who specializes in oncology. Um, you know, uh, personal finance. Sometimes it will be we're uh, a bank coming to us saying we want to specialize. Uh, you know, our target audience is people who just graduated for college. So we want people who write towards that audience um, and have things about how to get your first apartment or how to set up your first bank account. Um, I swear, you don't have. It doesn't have to be anything crazy just think about the target audience that you most identify with or want to write towards and then break it down to there don't try to be every you know all things to all people try to pick a niche within that broader industry and say this is going to be my thing and after a while you'll realize if it resonates or not and you can kind of shift from there don't delete those samples they might be helpful for you in the long run but shift to what really makes sense for you other things that I kind of, you know, thinking about ahead of time, uh, if people are listening and thinking like, I don't know, what, what else does she mean? Recipes. We get a lot of people who write about recipes. Uh, veganism is huge or uh, things that don't have gluten in them, you know, organic farming. Uh, HR is a huge one. We have a lot of you know, B2B HR okay. companies that work with us. DE&I is huge. Uh, change management. Change management's huge. Technology within those verticals is huge. Um, we've had a few furniture or lifestyle brands come to us. And they, uh, I know if you're talking about Skyward specific, how do you want to make a splash with us in that? What region do you write about? So we have different housing needs for people who live in California versus New York versus Florida versus the Midwest, right? And so which specialty is yours? Because what is the lifestyle like of that consumer? And how does that reflect in how they buy furniture or how they outfit their home? Um, another big thing we've been seeing, uh, maybe less so, but it's come up in a few different instances, is like Christian colleges or Christian finance. If there are things about your faith that kind of reflect in how you spend money or how you live your life, sometimes that's a factor. It's never something we would discriminate towards, but if that's something a writer kind of touts as a, a niche they like to write about, and that's certainly something we would want to align. All right, let's move on to the money question, which is the one I know everybody has a question about. <laughs> yeah. How have you seen, let's talk a little bit about how you've seen pay evolve in the content marketing space and what, what writers can expect. And I feel like this is like a, this can be a really difficult, but it's a really important conversation because there's still a lot of people out there who think maybe $100, $200 for like a, a mid-level article is normal, where someone else might think $700, $800, or $1,000 is normal. So, so what have you seen going on? Yeah, so it's changed so much in my tenure. I'm seven years, obviously. Seven years with every industry is going to shift a little bit. I, when I first started, B2B tech articles, were, I don't know that this was great, but they were making like $250. I remember article, those days. Which is not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would have a serious conversation with my sales team if that happened today. But um, where where things shifted, I will say you get what you pay for. And so we have advocated, I've worked really tirelessly with my senior management and our sales team to say, if we're talking with leading brands in the industry about creating cutting edge content with SMEs at their company, and we're asking for hour long interviews with their executives to create the best content out there that's getting thousands of views, we have to be paying for it. Um, so we're, you know, articles that maybe paid 250 in 2014 are a lot closer to $700 these yeah. days. I, I, I'd like to think you can attest to that. I, no, you've what, been that's, with us for, for quite a while. That's exactly um, the spread that I've seen ac across the time that I've been writing. 
and and it doesn't come from just paying more for paying more sake i i've reached out to plenty of people throughout the years who say oh i would love to work for you it's just not within my budget and i've never held that against anybody i if anything i respect that and i learn from it um i definitely take note of okay i'm getting turned down a, a few different times on this vertical uh, based on the expectations for the content we're creating, I think I need to have a conversation with my team about what we're advocating for um, when we're we're making sure we're getting like the best writers for this content. I, I don't want to be working with with people who don't understand things at the highest levels because we want to be creating the best pieces out there. So we are constantly evaluating uh, the quality that's coming in, how happy our our community seems with the rates we're offering. Um, and what the expectations are. Sometimes our clients will come to us saying they want one thing. I know you've seen this, um, where they suddenly want to add an article. Yeah. <laughs> we step back and add this extra paragraph. We recognize scope creep. Like we see it and we talk about it. And when things come up for renewal, we have that conversation again and say, hey, your expectations have shifted a little bit. I have to say, one of the things I'm very proud about, about the work I've done at Skyward and at how they've responded is, um, they respect my opinion when I say we need to pay people more. Here's why. And, you know, maybe I come with some proof, but I make sure I back it up and and they hear me and we fight for it. So I'm really proud of that. Um, and then, uh, you know, not only that, some things that I think are worth recognizing about this, the work Skyward's done. And I think I've seen a lot of other, um, you know, companies in our industry do is, is making sure we're paying for things like PayPal fees or money withdrawal fees, depending right. on how payments are made. We can't be charging you to withdraw your funds in that way uh, and making sure we're providing a way for you to track your funds in the platform. So, you know, what you're you know able to budget each month. I always think like dinner on the table, this sounds so crazy, but I just talked to somebody about this today. You know, I know you need to know when you're going to get paid. I need to yeah. know how many articles you're getting a month because there are people that that depends on, you know, how much they earn depends on whether or not they can feed their family in some instances. Right. And I truly think about our community like that. Uh, they are people, they are our team. They are an extension of what we offer. And I see them as that. And so uh, we're constantly talking about communication, transparency, being able to track. Um, and then what the one last thing is making sure all that tax stuff is squared away. I know that quarterly earnings are a big thing. So not only do we provide the, those breakdowns and easy export to Excel stuff, uh, that our platform offers, but you know, 1099 is going out to you come February, um, you know, for tech stuff. That's all really important to us. So what just a general range, you know, on the Skyward platform, I know it's changed. What, what, what does the range look like that a writer can expect when they're coming on and writing like articles that are, you know, like mid-length range? Mid-length range. This comes with a little asterisk, like I said. Of course, right, right, right. No commitment to anything. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to say something around $400 to $1,000, depending on what you're getting asked for. And that will also depend on the industry. I think some lifestyle content can be a little easier to write um, in in some circumstances versus B2B tech. Are interviews involved? Is there a tight deadline? Are we also, you know, is it... Is it is it Christmas time or New Year's where everything's shut down and you have to do this on your own holiday? Like we see that. And so there are little things that get factored into how we're able to advocate for higher pay. So if we're talking an article 500 to 800 words, and usually that 800 words is the average, I'd say it's somewhere between 400 and 1,000. Um, and that really can just depend again on what the what the client's asking for and what the expectations are, inclu- you know, including that. Yep, and that's, that's what I've seen. Um, okay, so let's let's talk process. Just like what yeah. what it's like to work in a in a Skyward program. Um, well, the interesting thing for me is I think it's 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 improved, but also it's also remained pretty much the same. It's been pretty consistent for me from program to program um, over the years. Like with just adding new and enhancements and that kind of thing. But what, what is it? What is it generally like? So everything will revolve. You know, this is Skyward specific. I think. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I will. I will uh, say that it is whatever you're about to say. It is. But no. go ahead. Um, everything revolves around our platform for the most part, uh, but I will say we take pride in the relationships our editors form with our community as well. Um, we spend so much time working with our editors to understand writer needs, 
And so they're a huge component here too. But our platform streamlines the entire workflow start to finish. So before we even send an invite to our platform, uh, usually an email will come from somebody either from me or an editor saying, hey, Megan, would you be interested in this opportunity? I make sure in that intro email, because you notice it's a little formulaic, but I have core things I know that you want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what are we offering for pay rate? When are we getting started? What is the word count expectations? What kind of turnaround time? Um, what am I missing there? We cover all the good stuff in that intro email. And so at that point, you can say, yes, this sounds like a good opportunity for me. I'm ready to get started. Or no, this isn't no harm done. I'll keep you in mind for future projects. If this is something you're interested in moving forward with, I'll send you an invite that gives you access to a specific dashboard for that client channel. Uh, within that channel, we've kind of cleaned it up so that there are a few different tabs you'll have access to. The biggest one I'd say within that uh, that is super important to us is the content creation guidelines. Mm-hmm. We work very closely with all of our clients to create brand guidelines that capture all of the editorial expectations from core audience needs. You know, who exactly are we writing towards? What are their key objectives? What are we hoping to get across in the content? How will we know we're successful? Uh, who are the competitors in that industry? What resources to avoid? Who we'd like to, you know, lean on for resources, et cetera. Um, honestly, our, I don't understand how some clients don't have those in, in other, you know, in other content marketing companies. I only recently found out this is a little bit of a tangent. We did a little round table with freelancers and I learned that only like 10% of, of content marketing brands that create content have brand guidelines. Is that true to your experience? Yes. Yes, it is. That is insane to me. Yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons that I would say that the majority of my just work is probably, I would say, Skyward is one of the few platforms I work with. That's I'll put it that way <laughs> for that reason, That's- just because there can be so much variation in what a brand's looking for. And it makes it so much easier when you have the guidelines to not have to go back 800 times because somebody doesn't like the way something feels or doesn't like the way you use yeah. commas or doesn't yeah. like the language or something like that. It honestly feels like throwing darts in the dark. That's, exactly. and that's what it turns I, into. Yeah. Because in, in the conversation I was having where I learned that, Apparently, all that information is readily available to the brands they're working with, but it's just this guessing game of, oh, do you happen to have information in your audience? Oh, do you happen to have resources you like or don't like? And the answer is always, yes, hold on one second, let me sign it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, why don't you just have that compiled in one place? Anyways, like I said, that's a tangent, but it, it frustrated me. No, but it's an, it's, because it's an important one. Um, lifeblood to what we offer. I, and, and I'll say it's an important one because I feel like if you come from, because I didn't, I'm, I'm not like tra- trained. I'm not like a former, formally trained writer. I, you know, I started doing this, like I, we, I, we talked about before the call in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and there's like no style yeah, guides yeah. there. <laughs> um, but I think like a lot of people, when they come in, you have to kind of learn to write to a, to a style guide and to brand guidelines. And I think that can be new for a lot of people. So I can understand why a lot of, you know, platforms might not be yeah might not jump at it but at the same time it just makes life so much easier as you go along and megan can i tell you it's not just not trained writers it's oftentimes journalists or more editorial writers um, like to use their unique voice and as much as i encourage this and we certainly try to maintain that you know that you're not always writing in your own voice right. when you're writing for a corporation you want to write in their voice they have a very specific way things are supposed to sound um, in a way that they want you know it's marketing content at the end of the day and they want to make sure that they're getting a specific tone and voice across and so being able to capture that and coach your team of writers on that in easy ways I feel essential and I'm that's why my jaw literally hit the floor when somebody said 10% and they all started nodding. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, yeah. Well, and you know what, this brings, this brings up actually a completely different conversation. I don't know if we want to dig into it. Um, I, I, I found oh, that I one of the things that, that I, I found that a lot of writers are maybe surprised about or don't see coming is that a lot of your writing isn't credited. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what, and it's the, the thing about and it's kind of like the nature of the beast, right? You know, you are writing on behalf of whatever platform or whatever company, um, you know, your name may or may not go on it. Like I know in my yep. situation is sometimes a client does want my name on it because I have experience in the industry and it adds credibility. Sometimes yep. they just want my skill as a writer. 
So yeah. it's kind of like, or you'll be interviewing. It, it, it's not even just ghostwritten. Sometimes it will be what we call executive byline where maybe right. we'll interview somebody who's uh, really high up at a specific corporation and you're writing in their tone and voice, uh, making them look awesome, which you do. Um, but yeah, having to actually emulate somebody else's voice in a piece. Yeah, and that's that's the the flexibility that that again makes those guidelines so important because you're not just writing as yourself all the time. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Ghostwriting is a big thing. It is. It, that's a whole I could do, and maybe you'll have I to come back on for that. That's a <laughs> whole different conversation. I have, so, I have so many editors I could connect you with that probably understand the ins and outs of that. But yeah, <laughs> another day for sure. Yeah, that's that's a whole world on its own. Okay, let's <laughs> let's talk about COVID because yeah, back to practice. Wait, are, are we going to? COVID? Oh no, I'm let's sorry. I'm like, did you have any? Yeah, yeah, process. I'm sorry. I I honestly I'm going to go quick, and I I get this, but I I get this spiel a lot. Um, I'll do it quick. No, no, take your time. Honestly, I got lost on guidelines because it's such a key piece. We actually don't assign pieces to writers until they review those guidelines because that's that's step one. And, and I know you know that our platform makes it so you have to get through the entire set before you can start. From there, we have uh, kind of two main routes. I'd say 90% of the time, we work really closely with brands uh, we're partnered with to assign you a specific topic, especially when we're kicking a project off. We'll have a very specific idea in mind for what we're trying to create. So we'll send you an assignment summary that's like a robust outline for the article you're going to write. And then from there, you'll create your piece. Uh, each piece is also assigned a keyword to make sure it's optimized for web, you know, for when it eventually publishes. And when once that piece is written, you'll submit it through our platform using an SEO scorecard that makes sure the piece is optimized by working it into the title, the first couple hundred words, et cetera. Um, and once it's submitted, that's when it will enter the editorial review workflow, where we have that amazing team of editors that will first give it more of what they call a dev edit, the broader one to say, oh, yeah, your general piece looks good. Let's work on your title heading, uh, maybe restructure the piece, add some resources, etc. At that point, it might come back for a revision. Key piece. Revisions are part of every editorial workflow. Uh, sometimes your piece is going to completely ace it and there won't be one, but that's rare. Um, for the most part, the piece will go back to you with some, you know, critique, uh, some feedback in the comments. And then once it's resubmitted, it will go through a line edit to make sure it's polished and ready to send to our client team. Again, our, our platform really streamlines, streamlines this whole process. Once we think it looks good, it gets sent off to the client team for final review. Uh, at this point, it might come back one more time, especially clients. And, and you can attest to this in the medical space, maybe the finance space. They'll have like regulatory teams to make sure things are really looking good uh, from a medical review or financial review. You know, everything kind of stands up. Um, and at that point, it will get published. Uh, once things look really good, client team likes it. At the end of the day, the brand team really controls publishing. And I'm sure this is another topic for a rainy day. Uh, brands really control that process. Yeah. So as much as I'd love every single piece, you know, that we create to get published, we're we're constantly making sure that, um, hey, is it time to publish? Like, let's get that up there. We obviously want to see what the engagement levels are after things go up to. Um, so yeah, that's the like really quick and dirty explanation. And then our, our payment process, we primarily use PayPal. Mm -hmm. um, that actually allows us to pay things at scale and pay globally because we create content all over the world. We pay a variety of currencies depending on where we're creating and kind of what the client team is interested in. Um, and we also make sure we pay as quickly as possible. Uh, we have a pay cycle, the 15th and the last day of each month. So, you know, and everything's really visible, I think, through our platform uh, once yeah. things enter the editorial review phase. And again, that stuff's all really important to us to make sure it's transparent. But all okay, right, enough about our process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there are any questions, I'm sure we can circle back around and then yeah. dig into that later. So, so COVID, um, I, I will say that at the very beginning, things were kind of rocky, especially because I'm in the healthcare space. Yeah. But since then, I have seen, of course, an uptick in content marketing because so many conferences are going virtual. And, and even now that things are opening back up, that there is the prediction that there will be, you know, more virtual components, which of course, so, you know, along with that comes the need for more content, you know, that people can access and not necessarily as many face-to-face -face interactions. But where do you, where do you, where do you see content marketing heading as a, as a result of the pandemic? I definitely see it going up. 
I definitely, you know, we don't, we had the lull that I know you, you probably felt a little bit too. I know a lot of freelancers reached out to me, but we are on the upswing for sure. And I think the biggest thing we see changing is people are interested in a mix of formats. We're seeing a lot more of that enhanced content, a lot of visual aspects to what we're creating as well. So that if we're publishing a piece, it might be embedded with a video, infographics, it will have social graphics tied to it for social engagement. It's kind of like this little content package. That's one thing. Yes. Uh, another thing I'd say is the topics we're writing about. It's not all about going in for your healthcare appointments anymore. A lot of talk of virtual everything, not only medical stuff, obviously, uh, work from home. What if? You know, what our HR policies are obviously changing, but also just remote work in general. Or when we're talking about, I think I mentioned home design earlier, home office is a huge thing. Personally, I'm buying a house and there are all these furniture websites where I didn't think they used to have home office, you know, oh, some pages. That's a thing, I think. Um, I think the world, I mean, that to- I'm, this might just be my <laughs> crazy perspective, but I swear, like, uh, I, I think people are starting to realize that it's not all going to snap back to normal right. and that, you know, life is changing for people. So what is the work from home lifestyle? Like what is the clothing choices are obviously changing. I can personally attest, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like things, the way we live is changing the way our brands have to see us. And, and, you know, audience is everything. So when you're writing about a certain audience, how is their life being affected? And is that changing the topics you're writing about? um beyond you know i think I, i've given that that working home thing plenty of explanation but the other thing and you know it, we can't ignore it um diverse the, the importance of diversity and inclusion has shifted entirely in the last year in the best way it's so important um i'm honestly really proud of the work our team my personal creative ops team has put towards this and skyward in general has put towards this um but the work we do with the client teams too, it's not ignored. And so, uh, you know, it's obvious to say that our HR content that we're creating for those, you know, B2B brands, that's obviously changing, making sure we're covering DEI topics, but that's not it. We, we create tons of lifestyle content um, in the skincare, hair care space. And I love that they're interested in learning about all different hair care and skincare types. And that I'm not going to say it wasn't that way always, but it's especially the case now. And and I'm really proud of of our teams making sure we're bringing it up, but also the client team being so receptive and being like, yeah, that was on our minds too. Let's do it. And uh, that, I mean, there are so many examples of that. Um, and I mean, those are only the clients that I'm aware of that we're working with. And it's, it's pretty exciting to see that content brands know that they can't ignore this right, uh, right now. And I think that's, awesome it's important not awesome in the best ways but you know that you know what i mean um that they're paying attention right and that's one of those things i know a lot of writers um are looking or trying to figure out where their personal experiences fit into the idea of content marketing um and i will say that when i first started people were not really interested at very much at all in in you know my personal experience as a black woman but i am seeing more interest in that as we're moving forward and i think you've mentioned that you kind of are seeing the same thing at skyward yeah yeah um i mean we have uh, not only are we making sure that we're presenting lists that are you know racially inclusive but our clients are asking for it too they want to make sure that they are covering topics that hit on really specific you know racial topics, um, but that they're having people who also match that identity created. They don't want anything to come. Authenticity is just huge right now. And I love that we're living in that. And I also follow, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I follow a Twitter account. I'm blanking on a specific name, but their whole tagline is like, don't tell us you couldn't find us or or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Um, uh, Is it in in tech? You can't find us. Is it coding? It's not necessarily tech. It's more okay. like freelance writing, you know, and it might take longer to find a medical specialist writer who is non-white, you know, or is a, is a person of color, but I'm going to spend the time finding them. Right. I'm going to, we take, we take the time we need to make sure we're exploring all avenues so that when we're talking about um, maternal infant health or 
um, OBGYN topics that the nurses, writers, and mothers we're engaging with represent everybody and not just, you know, white people. Um, That's so important to me and so important to my company and I think the brands that we're working with. And we actually had done, we've done a survey recently. I think the research is coming out in the next month or so. So keep an eye out for this. But one of the survey questions that our team asked had to do with how important are I'm sure we're going to get in trouble for not getting this wording right. <laughs> How important are like the, the like cultural beliefs and meanings of the brands you work with and okay. the values they represent. And it, it's like so important. It was like 80, 90% important that if, yeah. if a brand asks you to write for them and you don't identify or believe in the values they represent, um, people won't work with you but they don't want to create content for you. Um, and I believe that so wholeheartedly. I mean, is that, is that true to your experience? Or it is. It, it's it's a little bit more of a stretch in, yeah, the people I talk with, because what I do, it's pretty, <laughs> the idea yeah. of like individual perspective isn't as important. Um, but yeah. I am seeing more of that. I am hearing about more, more of that across the board. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool because honestly, the people who end up actually creating that content, I think the passion and the, just the emotion behind the content resonates. I think it comes through. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm honestly know. glad to see it in the, in the, in the content marketing space versus say just general content generation, because I feel like those are, yep. like, I, I personally see those as two very different worlds. So I am glad, glad to see it oh, yeah. emerging on this side of, on this side of the content coin or dice, yeah. whatever you want to call it. That's right. Anybody who brings up that whole content farm thing i was like you don't know skyward no 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 that's not that well yeah and i, and I, <laughs> I will so say much that. <laughs> yeah like i've never yeah i don't think i've ever written for a content farm it's a whole it's its whole like just the idea of understanding the different ways that you can approach content marketing is again a whole different conversation yeah um yeah but yeah it is very important too and i you know it's one of the main reasons i wanted to have this conversation is because you know just just understanding what's going on in the world of content marketing is is really critical to making sure you get the most out of it as a as a creative yeah and so i mean to tie back to your your original thought here in like how much of your identity or, you know, personal values and things like that, should you potentially showcase as a freelancer? I think right now is a moment to say, this is who I am. And I like writing about these topics, or if I haven't yet, like, here's my specialty. And this is also who I am. If you think it could value, you know, if it's something you would want to eject in your content as well. Um, Because like I said before, we recently started working with like a more regionalized furniture brand, and they wanted to write about regionalized like home decor that showcases culture of the people writing about it and I thought that was so mm, cool that's interesting that it was like how does yeah how do xyz cultural aspects of the writer kind of translate into how they decorate their home I thought I don't know I personally truly enjoyed researching that stuff and you would not believe the number of people who write about it <laughs> yeah I was like really yeah my cool. brain is spinning right now I'm like how, how like how how does that yeah. work? how many people out there but you don't you don't know who's out there until you look I know because I searched <laughs> our talent pool every day, and it's very cool I mean like a really obvious example and because I live in Boston like people who live in New England like you know Rhode Island Boston area they have that more either colonial style yes. home or um they love using like what are those ocean style oh the nautical um, thing yes yes all that. Like, yes <laughs> you know or brownstone style yes. decor. like there are just certain things in certain regions of america that kind of translate into decor i don't know honestly it's really interesting subject and i Remember thinking like this was going to be a breeze initially. <laughs> it was not necessarily a breeze, but it was incredibly cool to see how people around the country decorate their home based on where they live and what their cultural background is. Um, oh no, because I that, know homes for that down reason, here look completely different in South Florida. Yeah, completely. And I was just say like, like don't be afraid to share little pieces about yourself and and maybe it's not entirely what you write about, but in your about me section on your website or your bio in in a skyward profile say like here's my background and i enjoy writing about this stuff too um (laughs) there are little things here and there that are are pretty cool to inject into the writing you know that 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 we create so don't be afraid of that yeah all right is there is there anything else any like 
any extra tips, anything we like maybe didn't cover that you'd like to let people know? Gosh, there's, uh, I remember there was one thing I was laughing about in kind of working through our, our conversation prior to today that was like, <laughs> the golden takeaway if you mention it in your bio make sure you attach a sample there like, yeah, you know support that <laughs> i think we have to i work we see so many people that i get really excited about when i read their bio and they'll say things like oh i'm a former cpa 20 years in the industry i'm certified in xyz things and i'm like oh my gosh i cannot wait to put them on our upcoming tax program and they'll be like oh, i love writing about basketball and plumbing and I'm like, come on <laughs> like, so if you talk about having experience in a specific industry make sure you attach samples that support it because my clients are going to want to see alignment in those things um and i can't really get people work without seeing relevant samples so and you never know. I think people tend to discount their background and think, oh, this is an interesting, nobody's yeah. writing about it. Somebody's writing about it. Like, But does this not go back to like starting your own blog? Like even it if does. it's not what you write about today, if that's something you have tons of experience about, lean on it. it and if it comes to you really easily, write about it. it, it, it it's so true. That's it really cool. is. And I see, I'm telling you, I see that thing a lot where people like write about one thing that's totally different than their background. And I'm like, ah, missed opportunity. Exactly. And I like, I, and I hope people get a better understanding. Like I, I always say that like, you know, in your job, anywhere you go, if you're reading about it, that's content marketing. Yeah. Like there yeah. is, you do not understand how big this world is and how big it's getting. And there's just more being generated. So don't discount any of your background. And it's not all just sales promotional content. Exactly. I think you can attest exactly. to this as well. It's often like, what would people Google and how can I create an educational article to answer that question? So it, it's often more educational than it is by this product. Oh yeah, um, definitely. I would, I, I would yeah. see that my work is like 90% educational. Yep. And then on the side, I do some sales, but it's yep. very much educational. Yeah. Last thing I'll leave you with is everything. 90% <laughs> of what we talked about today is just the written world. Just the yes. word. Um, we are going to talk more yeah. <laughs> about the enhanced content because yeah. there is, there, there's just, there's so much more to cover. So we, we work with a whole team of digital producers um, who are literally wizards at creating the coolest visual stuff and are able to take all the big ideas from our brands and actually turn them into things where we can, we can publish. And so um, I'm excited for you, for you to explore that side of, of all the things we work on as well. Yep. That's going to be our next episode. Molly, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. Absolutely. Honestly, such a pleasure. And if, if people have, questions about you know how to work with skyward they're always welcome to email you know me and my team community at skyward.com is like the main handle uh depending on if people would email we're also available at um skyward cm on twitter uh but feel free to reach out with any questions or just you know if, if you're interested in working with us like i'm always happy to connect awesome thank you again Interested in starting or improving your own freelance career? Whatever your skill, come by blackfreelance.com and sign up for the monthly newsletter to start sculpting your best freelance strategy.